Barbara Royce Extract wrote a story for the 2001 July-August edition of The Christian Reader about an experience she had with a woman named Maria. Now, Maria was, was an immigrant from Peru, and she was the, she was the daughter of a pastor from Peru. And, and she would come and she would clean Barbara's house every other Tuesday. She'd come and, and, and she was this strong, wonderful Christian woman. And she'd come in and she'd do her cleaning and she'd be singing. And, and Barbara was actually a pretty new Christian at this point in time. Like she wasn't, she was just new. She was still kind of figuring some things out. And so she had a lot of like just awesome, really good discussions with Maria. And, and she was really fed by Maria. And so she, she developed this really close, really good relationship with, with this Peruvian woman, Maria. And then one day, Maria didn't, she didn't show up for work, which was like really strange because she was really consistent. She was solid. She was this awesome, awesome lady that, that uh, Barbara had, had, come to, had come to rely on. And she didn't show up. And then she didn't show up the next time she was due either. And Barbara started to get a little worried. Like, what happened to Maria? Like, what's going on here? And, and then she gets a call. She gets a call from the hospital that, that Maria has, is, is in the hospital. And, and so Barbara goes to visit her. And, and when she gets there, she, she ends up, she goes into Maria's room. And Maria has this, this contraption on her head. They call it a halo. Where basically they, uh, I think we've got like a picture of it up here at some point. But it's like this thing around your neck and they drill holes into your skull to support it. And then they, and then so your head is like basically supported by your shoulders through this contraption. And Maria was just miserable, just hating life at this point in time. And she's like, oh, Barbara, please let me get out of here. Like, like, let me leave. This thing is horrible. It's painful. I don't like it. I don't want it. I, I need it off of me. Can we, can we just remove, like, can you help me understand what's going on? Can you help me, like, not have this thing on, on my head anymore? So, so Barbara goes to the doctor and, and she's like, so what's going on? Like, why does Maria have this, this headpiece on? And, and how long can we take it off? M- Maria said that, that, that you said it would only be on for like five months. So she could have it for like five months and then, and then she'd be all right. But she doesn't even think she's going to be able to make it five months with this thing. Like, how do we, how do we move forward? What's going to happen to Maria? And, and the doctor told her that it actually wasn't... It wasn't going to be able to come off in five months. That Maria was going to have to live with this for the rest of her life. Because you see, Maria has cancer. And, and she, has a bone, she has bone cancer. And it's been eating away at the bones in her neck. So her, her neck vertebrae have been getting eaten away. And they're getting smaller and smaller. And they actually can't support her head anymore. And so for the rest of her life, Maria is going to have to have this halo on. This thing supporting her, her head. Because if, if they take it off, the neck's just going to break and her head would just roll off. She'd, she'd just die. The bone. And, and, and so Barbara asked the doctor, well, I mean, Ed, is there any way to like regenerate the bone? Is there any way that, that the old strength can be restored? Is there any way for, for her to not have to live with, thing, with this thing for the rest of her life? And, and the doctor just, you know, he sadly shakes his head. And he's like, no, I'm... I'm sorry, like the bone isn't, it's not like regenerative. It's not going to be able to be restored. It's, 
she's, she's just stuck where she is, and there really isn't anything that modern medicine is going to be able to do to help her get that halo off. That's just, that's just Maria's life now. This morning, we're going to continue our series, Summer in the Psalms, by looking at Psalm 85. Now, typically, when we think of the book of Psalms, you know, we, we think of King David, right? Because he's like the one that wrote most of the Psalms. Well, not all Psalms were written by King David, and, and this is one of those that wasn't. It was actually written much, much, much later. And it's written to people like Maria, who were stuck and in need of help. And, and while it was Maria's bones that had degenerated, eaten away by cancer, in our psalm this morning, it is the faith of the people that has decayed. They've gone through some rough times. And those rough times have called them back to the Father. Last week we talked about Ahaz, right? And, and Isaiah and how Ahaz wanted to play the hero in his story. And, and he did, I guess, like in, in his form of that, in his way of that. And instead of accepting the help from, instead of accepting the help from God, well... While Judah and Syria, I mean, sorry, Israel and Syria were coming against Judah. Instead of accepting that help, he's like, no, instead I'm going to go to Assyria and I'm going to ask Assyria for help. I'm going to tattle on these two and let them know what, what I'm, I'm going to let Assyria know what Assyria know, what Syria and Israel are doing. And so Syria come, Assyria comes down and wipes out Damascus, wipes out Syria. And then it comes down, and it, uh, like 100 years later, so a couple hundred years after that, it comes down and wipes out Israel. And then it's sitting on Judah's doorstep. And eventually it comes and, and, and takes Judah as well. The only city left is, is Jerusalem, who they tried to take Jerusalem, and God was like, no, I'm not going to let you take the last vestige, and kills 185,000 people of the Assyrian army. And Assyrians, those that are living, you know, wake up the next morning, they're like, yeah, never mind, we're done. Like, we're not going to mess with this. They can keep Jerusalem. We've got everything else. We're leaving. But there's a ton of people that they lost their houses, you know? They lost all of this stuff, and so they went to exile. And most of them end up, most of the people from, from Judah, they end up in Babylon, and so they're out of their homes. They're not where they're used to being. They're, they're in a strange foreign land for many years. And then they leave and they return home. And this, this song is written coming out of that exile. So many years after David, but a psalm written coming out of the exile, the Babylonian exile. Let's read our passage together this morning, Psalm 85. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all their wrath, or all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. 
Faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you'd speak through us, speak to us through your word this morning. God, we give all this to you. Thank and praise you and pray this in your name. Amen. Restore us again, O God of our salvation. You know, the psalm starts by, it highlights in the the beginning, it's highlighting the graciousness of God. You know, it's, look at all that you have done for us, the psalmist writes. You know, you've restored our fortunes, you've brought us back out of Out of exile, we get to live back in our homes now, back in our land, back in your land. You're the land that you promised us. Now, now the psalmist is writing from an Old Testament perspective. Land is like a big deal, like like that's, that's a big thing for them. And we know now, like looking back at this passage, is not just looking back on how God brought his people out of their exile from Babylon, but it's also looking forward to how God will restore his people through his son. Jesus Christ. You know, you have, the psalmist is writing, you have forgiven all of the terrible things that we, your people, have done. You have forgiven us. You have covered over our sin. You have covered over our sin. In Galatians chapter 3, 26 to 29, we read, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. And in verse 27, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Through faith we have, we have put on Christ. And, and in putting like, like a suit of clothes, right? Like this is who we are now. This is... This is our identity. Often we find, like, we express who we are. We express how we think about things. We express how we understand life in, in, in the way that we dress. Like, this is, this is how I identify myself. I preach in a, in, in a vest and a tie. I don't, I don't like, like, the suit jackets. Like, this is how I express myself in, in, in what I wear. This, this is how I look. We are covered in what we, what we wear, what we have put on. And in faith, we have put on Christ. So when God looks at us, he doesn't see that, that sin that has been covered. Instead, he sees his son. He sees Jesus. Through faith, we have been clothed in Christ. And then furthermore, because of Christ, the wrath of God has been taken away. His anger, his inability to spend time with us because of our sin, it's been removed. It's gone. Because of Jesus Christ, we have been reconciled to God. We have been restored. You know, when we see this in the first three verses of the psalm, we see how God has blessed and forgiven and taken care of his people, how he has been reconciled. To his people, and then we get to verse 4. Restore us again, O God, of our salvation. What? Why? Like, why is why is this a need? 
The psalmist has been writing about how God is taking care of his people, how he has given them grace, how he has saved them, how he has forgiven them. They have obviously been restored. Why? Why must they be restored again? Any, any of us, like, own a computer? I mean, I'm assuming at this point in time, like, at this day and age, like, most of us, like, we have computers. That, that's a part of life at this point in time. And I'm not talking, like, like, I don't know if the handheld ones really, like, our phones probably aren't really there yet, but, like, a desktop or, like, a laptop computer. There was a time before System Restore. Like, are we familiar with, like, what System Restore is? What System Restore is, if something goes wrong and you're, like... Like, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's like a godsend for students, right? So, so you have, like, all of, a bunch of school, like, say, you've been working on a paper, right? I, I remember using it a few times at seminary where, like, I've, I've written this, like, you know, I've written 16 pages of a 20-page paper. And, and as I'm going, everything's good, and I've been saving, and everything's nice. And then suddenly my computer, like, freezes, or, you know, I hit the wrong button, and everything gets deleted, and now it's gone, and I had 16 pages of work out of a 20-page paper that I am nervous I can't get back anymore, but, but there's this, there's this thing you can do now that's called system restore, and your system, your computer will back itself up every, like, week or, or day, you can set it, so it's, like, days or, or hours, but, but when it comes to system restore, you, you get this screen that'll pop up. And it doesn't look this way on Macs, but I figure most of us are probably Windows users. So this is a window that's going to be similar to like what you're going to get. And at the top, I know it's a little small, but at the top it reads, Restore your computer to the state it was in before the selected event. Restore your computer to the state it was in before the selected event. So I just erased this, this, this uh, paper of mine. I can go back and I can system restore. And as long as my paper was there during that restore, it's going to show back up. So I'm going to be able to get something back that I didn't have. But that isn't often how we use this. Often system restore comes when everything goes to crap. Oftentimes system restore is what we use when like, we get a virus. And now, like, our computer's totally, you know, we opened that email from grandma, and we love grandma, but she didn't really know what she was doing, and she sent us that bad link. And so now you hit the link, and now your computer's, like, wrecked. You can't do anything on it. You know, you open up a window, and there's a bunch of windows popping up that we don't really want to see, and no one should ever really see. And, and so now our computer is totally infected, and we have no way of going back. Like, I'm not, like, a computer technician. I don't have the ability to like find the source code and start like deleting all of this virus from the very different areas that it's like popped up in my computer. I can't do that. I Most of us can't do that. And so Windows is like, I've got this idea. Let's do a system restore that'll help like your normal average computer using Joe to hit a button and go back to before all of the crap happened, before all of it hit the fan. We can go back to that now. So you hit that button and it takes you back and now you don't got that virus anymore. Now you don't have that issue anymore. It's been removed. It's gone. Your computer has been restored. You know, Bob would, would system restore the day before he began the affair. Sue would be able to go back to the day before she tampered with payroll data. Ivan would would choose the day before the big fight that caused his son to run away 
from home. Man, it would be nice if we could use System Restore in our daily lives, right? Like if we had the ability to go back and undo a conversation, if we had the ability to go back and not take the action that we did, not make the choice that we did. You know, God, God's not going to erase all the consequences of our actions. But he promises things far better. He promises to forgive us. To work for the highest good, even through what is bad, and one day make all things new. What Windows calls system restore, God calls redemption. So why must they be restored again? Because they got viruses again. They trusted a friend, and you know, they opened a bad email and got infected, or... You know, they went to that site that they shouldn't have gone to, and they, they got wrecked again. Restore us again, O oh God of our salvation. Bring us back to where we were before all that stuff hit the fan. Restore us again. You know, while we in the, in the 21st century, we can, we can talk about technology as an analogy, right? Like I can, I can talk about computers and, and laptops and whatnot. The, the Bible, they take, it takes a bit of a simpler approach. While we may talk computers and viruses and the internet, it, it tends to talk livestock. You know, in the Bible, we aren't compared to a desktop or a laptop. We're compared to sheep. There's a classic... Little kid Sunday school song, you know, I just, I just want to be a sheep. Bad, 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 I just want to be a sheep. And then like it, you know, I don't, I don't want to be a Pharisee because they're not Pharisee. I just want to be a sheep. And like, I don't want to be a hypocrite because they're not hip with it. Like, I think we're, we're somewhat familiar with, with this song. Why, why do we want to be sheep? Like, that, that's my question. Like, why, why do we want to be sheep? They smell, they aren't really smart, and they wander. They wander. They don't, they don't do what they're told, you know, despite the danger that wandering brings. I mean, there's wolves out there. There's bear and lions and cliffs and, and bad weather. It's safe with the shepherds. So, so why, why do we wander? You know, we even see it in, in the old hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, where we sing, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. We wander. This morning we sang about how God chases after us when we wander. Leaving the 99, leaving the flock, he recklessly chases after the one that has wandered away. And we find that passage in Matthew 18, verses 12 to 14, where we read, What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and, and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any one of these little ones should perish. And you know, maybe, maybe we think that we're comfortably in the ninety-nine. Right, that we're we're part of the group that's been hanging out where we're supposed to, you know, waiting for that silly wanderer to to get found and and then brought back. 
And then, and then we read Isaiah 53, verse 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us takes his turn being the wanderer. Every one of us takes his or her turn being that sheep that, that left the fold, that's wandering down their own path. It's doing their own thing that needs to be restored again and again. Restore us again, O oh God of our salvation. Why would we want to be sheep? There is a redeeming quality of being a sheep, and it really has nothing to do with the sheep itself. And that is that the shepherd loves his sheep. The redeeming quality of, of being the sheep has nothing to do with the sheep itself and everything to do with the shepherd. For despite the lack of wits, despite the hygiene, despite how they're prone to wander, the shepherd loves his sheep and he sacrifices for his sheep that they might be restored, that they might be brought back into the fold. Restore us again, O God of our salvation. Restore us again. As we look at this passage and the passages about sheep and the shepherd, you know, it's important to notice who's doing the verbs. And by that, I mean, who's the one doing the redemptive work in these passages? They don't read, you know, wait as I restore myself to your favor, God. Or, hey, shepherd, you know, calmly just chill out. Or, or maybe, you know, you're allowed to worry slightly as I make my way back to the flock. No, I mean, these, wor- these verses make it clear who is at work in redemption. It is God who is doing the verbs. It is God who is restoring. It is God who is chasing after the wandering sheep. He is the one who is repairing what we are breaking. You know, often we can feel like once our relationship with God has been set, then then we must be the ones that maintain said relationship. That it is now on us to not wander. You know, we've been brought back. We've, we've been saved. So don't be that fool and wander again. Don't be foolish. Don't be silly and mess up again. But you guys, we're sheep. We're sheep. We are prone to wander. We cannot maintain our salvation. We constantly need God's grace and his mercy, and his love, and his seeking heart. We continually need God to seek after us, restoring us, and he does. He chases after us. He does not abandon us. You know, as we... uh, as we, continue, or we see this, we see this as we continue reading our psalm this morning. The psalmist writes of, of how God, you know, has taken care of their land. How his faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. How the Lord gives what is good. He wants to take care of his people. He longs to restore us, to bring us back from our wandering. He longs to renew us. As we think back to Maria, you know, she wanted out of that hospital. She wanted out. But, but to leave would be dangerous. 
She was, she was going to have to have this, this halo. And actually, eventually, it got to the point where she was going to have to leave. Her insurance ran out. And so they, they told her that she had to go. And she asked for one more x-ray. She said, can I please just have, have one more x-ray? And the doctor was like, yeah, that's not really a thing. Like, this, you can't get better from what you have. This is just what you've got. And she, please. And the doctor relented. And, and, and Barbara goes to, to visit the doctor. And, and she says, you know, we've got a problem here because... Maria says she's not going to leave unless we take the halo off of her. And the doctor looks at Barbara and says, okay, well, we, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take the halo off. And Barbara's like, what? You, you said that her head is going to roll off if she doesn't have this, that her bones can't support her anymore. And, and, and then doc, like Maria's doctor begins to act like a little strange, right? Like, uh, kind of looking around, not really meeting Barbara's eyes and, and kind of getting a little shifty. And he says, you know, it, it actually won't roll. The x-ray we took this morning indicated that her neck bones have regenerated. But, but you said that was impossible. You said that that, that couldn't be a thing. And, and he said it, it is impossible. And it... It, it isn't really a thing, but, but it happened. And, and so Barbara asked, well, then was there just something wrong in the original x-ray? Like, did something just happen that was wrong here? And the doctor's like, no, like, you can look at them. Anybody can see that the bone has regenerated. It's, it's there. Any, anyone can tell that, that something has happened. Doctor says, so there are things I can't explain. But her bones have regenerated, and they are strong enough to hold her head, and that is all I know. Maria didn't have the ability to make her bones heal, to regenerate them, to restore their strength. And we don't have the ability to restore ourselves, to bring ourselves back from our wanderings. Just as God performed a miracle and restored the mass and strength to Maria's bones, so he has performed the miracle of sending his son to carry our sin to the cross and to die and to raise from the, de- the dead, defeating both sin and death, that through faith in him and in his work, we might be reconciled to God. God has restored us. He has done the work. And I, I love how this psalm paints the whole picture of Scripture. You know, in 13 verses, it tells the story of the Bible, how God has a plan for us to be with us, to love us, and to have fellowship with us. And then how we screwed it up. You know, how we sinned, how we fell short, how we proved unworthy of His love, how we wandered from Him, ran from Him, and how He chased us down. And now, even though we didn't deserve his love, he gave it to us anyway, that despite our lack of ability, that despite our unworthiness, he has loved us in a powerful way. And how through faith, he has restored to us the relationship with him, that we might have fellowship with him forever. As you leave here this morning, as we go, as we spend some time in fellowship and then head home, You know, I pray that you'd be encouraged. That you would be confident in God's love for you and his power and his desire to restore you to relationship with him. And that you would respond to his love, that you would take that love 
and let it overflow into the lives of those around you. God desires to use each of us in his mission to bring about his kingdom. Praise his name forever and ever. Amen.